So let's just jump right in. My, did, well, I will give you a little background if this is your first time. So we have a family friend who just so happened to have a lot of skin issues, itching, biting sensations. And my mom remembered that he ended up getting um, lymphoma, a type of leukemia also called my mycosis fungoides. And we connected, talked on the phone, talked about his experience. This all happened after he got attacked by a bunch of, he said, flies that were about maybe bigger than a fruit fly, but smaller than a gnat or vice versa. And ever since then, his skin was driving him insane. And he started to get these um, maculopapular eruptions uh these and also he describes them as small tumors so he goes to md anderson sees one of the uh, world's renowned htlv or human t-cell leukemia lymphoma virus specialist and uh, her name is dr hewan dr rs hewan so somehow I was able to get in there. Uh, usually you would need a diagnosis before getting in there, but I got in there name dropping and was really adamant about it. And from everything that he was describing and my research, I thought, hey, I need to look into this. So I drive to Houston. I'm over here in Austin. I drive to Houston and I, I go in for the appointment. You can kind of listen to previous episodes about that, but basically they take a skin biopsy right on my chin, uh, the lower left part of my chin, and the left side of my face is what really flares up. Also, my left lymph node under my jaw is always swollen. So they take the biopsy from the lower left chin. And after a couple weeks, I get this diagnosis back. It reads, left chin skin punch, perifollicular lymphocytic infiltrate bacterial colonies within follicular infundibulum and overlying epithelial serum crust consistent with folliculitis mild dermal telangiectasia <laughs> mispronounce that clinical pathological correlation is necessary sorry clinical pathologic correlation is necessary what i really held on to here was this this first thing here perifollicular lymphocytic infiltrate. Uh, perifollicular just means in the tissues surrounding a follicle, which, I mean, I already know that my hair drives me crazy, like razor burn, like just shaving just aggravates my skin. So I started researching lymphocytic infiltrate. And that's what this episode is about. I did get this diagnosis. Um, the doctor wants me to <laughs> go back and give more skin biopsies. Um, this one, I guess, wasn't as conclusive as she needs it to be to make a, an absolute diagnosis for anything. So, you know, and I've been listening to Crystal Clear's podcast, More Morgulons, and she was mentioning that a lot of mycosis fungoides patients 
have to, on average, give seven skin biopsies to get a diagnosis or something like that. So I'm believing that at this point. Anyways, luckily I have like an open door policy with them. If I have a flare up, they're like, just come in, we'll get you a skin biopsy and then we can go from there. So next time I get a flare up, I'm driving to Houston. (laughs) Worth it. And I'll let you guys know about that. But in the meantime, let's talk about lymphocytic infiltrate. What the heck is lymphocytic infiltrate? Lymphocytic infiltrate of Jesner is a rare inflammatory disease of an unknown cause. Unknown cause. I like how they put unknown cause there. I guess they could have put it's a rare delusional disorder, perhaps. <laughs> Anyways, basically it is an inappropriate accumulation of helper T cells in the skin. It's also shortened uh, as JLIS. So I guess like Jesner lymphocytic infiltrate syndrome or something like that. So that's that's what it is um, in a quick summary. But I've, I've got another article here and I want to dive into it. It's called Approach to Cutaneous Lymphoid Infiltrates. When to Consider Lymphoma. Uh, that that last bit really interested um, it grabbed my attention when to consider lymphoma because these things seem to be pretty difficult to diagnose and seem like they require a lot of skin biopsies Uh, take my skin take it all (laughs) but let's dive into that here in a second That's just a basic overview of what lymphocytic infiltrate is. And I was going to go into this article about, you know, when to consider lymphoma. But I'm going to summarize it because I butchered a ton of the words in there. Science. Um, so basically, what what this article was saying when to consider lymphoma is basically you have to take multiple skin biopsies and by you I mean a doctor who you're working with a doctor who is very cooperative very communicative and is very determined uh, to figure out what's going on with your skin So, why do I bring this up? I bring this up because, one, it was mentioned, literally the first thing that was mentioned in my diagnosis from my skin biopsy at MD Anderson Cancer Center in the uh, melanoma department. I then went and started researching, you know, um, lymphocytic infiltration And guess what I found? The latest article that came out on Morgellons uh, by 
you know, ours truly, MJ, Middleveen, and the rest of the crew. Uh, this article came out in uh, January of 2021, and it's entitled Dermatological and Genital Manifestations of Lyme Disease, Including Morgellons Disease. Um, it was accepted for publication in April, so that's that's when we, we all got to see it in April of this year. So, I, I can't believe I didn't see this before, but I'm gonna, I have this article open, and I'll just kind of skim through it here. Introduction. Tick-borne Borrelia species that cause disease in animals and humans worldwide are categorized into two groups. The Lyme disease group, encompassing Borrelia burgdorferi sensu stricto, plus various Borrelia burgdorferi sensu lato species. And the second group is relapsing fever Borrelia group. So these spirochetes are the etiological agents of Lyme disease and relapsing fever, respectively. Um, So both of these species have been linked to an emerging, controversial, globally occurring uh, dermopathy, commonly referred to as Morgellons disease. Uh, The key diagnostic criterion of the skin condition is the presence of unusual and often colorful filaments that lie under are embedded in or project from the skin. If you're here, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. I get those from my skin too. It's lovely. So these thread-like cutaneous filaments may be white, black, or brightly colored hues such as red, green, or blue. I've never seen green. I always get the red and blue. Um, In addition to the curious dermopathy, Morgellons patients also also exhibit a variety of systemic symptoms uh, consistent with Lyme disease, including fatigue, joint pain, and neurological problems. That's the introduction. You know, I'm just kind of going through that. If you're here, you already know what Morgellons disease is, pretty much. Well, (laughs) no one really knows, but we know about that that, um, previous research. So... Da, 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 da. Here we go. This this is where we have the mentionings of lymphocytic infiltration. into this article that Middleveen released in April of this year. Uh, Borrelia infection is associated with the full spectrum of skin lesions and disorders, including erythromigrans rash, acrodermatitis, Borrelia lymphocytoma, um, and eosinophilic fasciitis, and then benign lymphocytic infiltration also called jessner canoff syndrome they go on to list some more granuloma annulara erythma multiform yada 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 but to 
Today I'm focusing on lymphocytic infiltration or Jesner-Kanoff syndrome. Very peculiar that they mentioned that and that is the first thing that was mentioned on my diagnosis. So I wanted to just kind of look a little bit more into that. So lymphocytic infiltration. Um, specifically the Jessner-Kanoff syndrome. Let's see, we've got rarediseases.org. I, I mentioned this earlier, but it is a uh, rare disease, apparently. Uh, lymphocytic infiltrative Jessner. NORD, the, I guess NORD is the National Organization for Rare Disorders, gratefully acknowledges few people from the uh, Graduate Institute, uh, the Keck Graduate Institute, and um, mentionings of uh, an associate professor in uh, dermatology and medicine, a division of hematology, oncology, um, comprehensive cutaneous oncology center, yada, yada, yada. So we got some smart people on this. Um, symptom, um, interesting, synonyms of lymphocytic infiltrative Jessner. These are some other names for it. Benign lymphocytic infiltrate of the skin. Jessner-Kanoff lymph- lymphocytic infiltration. Benign lymphocytic infiltration, Jessner disease, Jessner Kanoff syndrome, and benign chronic T cell infiltrative disease. That basically all a spin off of what we've been hearing, right? So, summary. Lymphocytic infiltrative Jessner is a rare skin condition that may be characterized by non-cancerous benign buildup of white blood cells which are present as lesions or lumps on the skin these lesions may be seen on areas including the face neck upper extremities shoulders upper back skin most exposed to sunlight Uh, they may be described as small non-scaly in nature and pink red in color although the lesions are typically not painful patients with lymphocytic uh, lymphocytic infiltrative jessner may experience itchiness and redness presentation can vary for example the lesions may remain unchanged for several years and resolve other patients may go through worsening of symptoms for years so um, it has lymphocytic infiltrative jessner has been thought to fall in the same spectrum as autoimmune disease known as lupus tumidus or discoid lupus arithmetic (laughs) Um, However, other scientists believe that lymphocytic infiltrative Jessner could be designated in its own category. So more signs and symptoms. uh, Patients may experience uh, itchiness, puritis, redness of the skin, pimple-like eruptions or papules, um, mostly on areas exposed to sunlight. These pimple-like lesions may last up to several months. As they extend from the perimeter, these lesions form well-defined, smooth, red patches or plaques whose diameter may go as far up to one inch. Wow, luckily I have not had that. Um, Occasionally, the the 
clear centers will form on, uh, sorry, occasionally clear centers will form on the plaques. The skin surrounding the lesions may be reddened or itching. itching. Those affected may also experience a burning sensation surrounding the skin lesions. Yep, I get that. An additional symptom that people with Jesner disease frequently report is sensitivity of the skin to sunlight exposure, um, also called um, cutaneous photosensitivity. I find that to be interesting because I have found that sun helps me drop a line if, if it's the opposite for you does does sun help does radiating your skin help you go to a tanning bed you do lay out in the sun go to the beach does that help you guys please i would love to know um so the course of lymphocytic infiltrative jessner varies from person to person is an important it is important to note that the symptoms typically disappear after several years but it is also possible that they may reappear later well, I mean, that's a good sign, I guess. Um, you know, mine has, has quieted down a little bit, but I, I do have recurring lesions on my face, uh, particularly on the left side of my face where my lymph node under my jaw is constantly inflamed. So, causes. <laughs> Let's see what they have here. Probably nothing. Lymphocytic infiltrative Jessner is a rare inflammatory disease with an unknown cause. Again, love that they put unknown cause and didn't consider these people delusional. What is known, however, is that this condition involves the inappropriate accumulation of uh, T helper cells, the subtype of white blood cells, these cells are part of your lymphatic system or your immune system and your skin. They're the first mechanism of protecting you and your immune system. Um, some clinical uh, scientists argue that this condition is possibly a subtype of lupus, as we'd mentioned before. Jessner disease may have a genetic or hereditary component. In addition, affected individuals may also have prior history of photosensitivity. Ooh, bless me. Um, let's see. Affected populations. While it's Prevalence in the United States or Europe is not clearly understood as of yet. Some scientists believe that lymphocytic infiltrative Jessner occurs predominantly in males. Hmm. Well, that's not my case. Um, in addition, its onset usually occurs between the ages of 30 and 50 and rarely affects children. So, related disorders. We already mentioned the, uh, you know, lupus variants. We have a lymphocyto- uh, lymphocytoma, <laughs> y'all, I'm sorry, lymphocytoma cutis. So I'm going to mention lymphocytoma cutis in another article after this bit. Um, mycosis fungoides. I have talked about mycosis fungoides in previous episodes. Go back and listen to that, and I am highly suspecting that that's 
the case for me and i guess potentially this uh leprosy poly polymorphous light eruption cutaneous lymphoid hyperplasia granuloma annulara and granuloma faciale faciale <laughs> in some patients it may be difficult to differentiate between Jessner's lymphocytic infiltrate of the skin and the others mentioned above yeah no shit i mean you have to have a really good doctor a really good team of doctors and they have to be relentless to figure this out which i really hope that everyone listening if you have this i really hope you found a doctor that you trust and who's patient with you and believes you so yeah the uh, lymphocytoma <clears throat> lymphocytoma cutis is a skin disorder developed from the accumulation of white blood cells lymphatic so um <clears throat> from the accumulation of white blood cells lymphatic cells as well as cells found in connective tissue the accumulation of these cells form lesions that appear purple or yellow brown in color shiny and spherical in form and may either be confined to a small area or widespread yeah so we're just kind of going into like the different types here um, mycosis fungoides is a common, uh, <clears throat> sorry, is a chronic disorder of the lymph that progresses over time. Mycosis fungoides is the most common types of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. It is also known as a mature T-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma. The clinical presentation involves the skin with potential spread to the lymph nodes, blood, and internal organs. At that time when it spreads to the blood, that, that would be considered a uh, leukemia. At first, this condition mirrors the appearance of eczema and other inflammatory skin disorders. With time, however, the disease progresses into lesions varying from localized to widespread mushroom-like tumors or intense widespread red reddening of the skin. Um, lupus, let's see, another one, here, here we go, lupus erythematosus, D-L-E, is a subtype of lupus erythmat erythmatosus, which only presents with lesions on the skin. These lesions that form on the skin often appear on the face and lead to redness, roughness, hyperkeratosis, and dilation of blood vessels. This condition may also eventually lead to systemic lupus, which causes the immune system to attack its own tissues. Isn't that lovely? I am so sorry if it has progressed to that for you. <laughs> um, leprosy. Here's another one. Leprosy is also known as Hansen's disease. This is both contagious and progressive in nature. It is thought to be spread through the respiratory route. This, this disorder is caused by airborne bacteria called Hansen's bacillus or Mycobacterium leprae. Additionally, it is more prevalent in regions of warmer climates, climates and it affects the skin and peripheral nerves. In leprosy, abnormal cells, granulomatous, are formed primarily around the nerves located in the skin. 
Uh, clinical findings may include reddened patches of the skin, diminished sens- uh, sensation in the affected areas, burning sensation usually in the lower extremities, wounds or burns without pain, and enlarged peripheral nerves. Wow, that, that was a little confusing there, reading that people are losing losing sensation, but they're experiencing burning. Um, I feel like that one's lower on the list for me. Um, yada, yada, yada. Um, let's see. Cutaneous lymphoid hyperplasia is also known as cutaneous B-cell pseudolymphoma or borreliol lymphocytoma <laughs> borreliol lymphocytoma cutis. It is a rare disorder in which there is a large increase in the number of B cells. Its clinical presentation includes skin-colored or red plaques on the chest or face. In contrast with Jessner's lymphocytic infiltrate, this disorder often presents with infiltrates throughout the skin. This is extremely interesting that it is specifically called borreliol lymphocytoma lymphocytoma cutis um aka it is due to borrelia burgdorferi or related bacterias lastly granuloma annulare annulare and granuloma faciale or fascial, <laughs> may also appear similar to Jessner's lymphocytic infiltrate. It's common and often self-limited. It may affect children as well as adults. <clears throat> there are various forms of it. The most common is localized. This form is typically non-scaly reddened plaques on the lower extremities and then some cases may resolve spontaneously within a few years on the other hand uh, granuloma faciale is a chronic and benign form of inflammatory skin disorder its presentation includes single or multiple lesions on the face that that appear reddish brown in color and the size may vary people who live with this disorder may not experience any symptoms while others may experience itching i definitely experience itching um so diagnosis (laughs) diagnosis all right first a thorough medical history and physical physical examination should be completed to assess all uh, risk factors, including genetics and pho- photosensitivity. In addition, a skin biopsy from a newly formed lesion should be tested in order to rule out other similar conditions, including discoid lupus and um, polymorphous light eruption. Additional labs may also be beneficial in confirming the diagnosis and ruling out other conditions, which may include lymphocyto- lymphocytoma cutis, blood cell cancer of the skin, which again, I will be diving into an article on, and um, the presence of inflammation or autoimmune disease with erythrocyte sedimentation rate. All right, so what are some therapies? 
since um, lymphocytic infiltrate of Jessner may sometimes resolve on its own, initial recommendation usually includes watchful waiting. In this case, treatment may not be necessary. Others who may need to seek treatment might be advised to use cosmetics to improve appearance. Oh my god, really? That's like one of the first things they mention. You should wear makeup. (laughs) Wow, okay. Cosmetics to improve appearance, protect from sunlight, um, removal of the lesions via surgery, radiotherapy, steroids and including topical medium potency formulations i believe that might include um, triminoclone and um, freezing of the lesions cryotherapy the use of select oral medications or appropriate chemotherapy drugs might also be used It is important to note that the use of steroids, whether they be topical or systemic, must be monitored very closely in addition to routine follow-up visits to the dermatologist. Um, So these are essential to monitor the overall progress and treatment. Those seeking treatment must also remember to protect from sunlight and prevent progression of existing lesions and formation of new lesions. There are a couple of investigational therapies going on. Um, information regarding current tr- clinical trials can be, find, can be found at uh, www.clinicaltrials.gov. All studies receiving U.S. government funding and some supported by private industry are posted on the website. Hmm. Hey, y'all, can we get some freaking funding for Morgellons disease? That would be lovely. I'm actually going to look into that, and I might make a poster for that for the CDC peaceful protest, August 23rd, I believe. See you there. Atlanta, Georgia. So clinical trials are are being conducted at the NIH Medical Center in um, Bethesda, Maryland. They give you the, uh, wow, there's a patient recruitment office that you can call and email to get into these clinical trials. Shit, I might try to do that. Um, Some current clinical trials are posted on the site. Interesting. Yeah, so that's the overview from this site. I hope that it gives you potentially some useful information maybe this is something that you can ask your doctor about if if you have a doctor you trust and hasn't deemed you as crazy um next i'm gonna dive into borrelial lymphocytoma So I mentioned I've got an article on uh, lymphocytoma cutis. And before I start reading into that and going over these case reports, I wanted to just kind of inform you guys on what lymphocytoma 
cumin. <laughs> oh my god, this is something I cannot say, y'all. Lymphocytoma cutis is. So, um, I've got an article up here. It's from NIH.gov. And just wanted to give an overview of it. So, lymphocytoma cutis. What is it? My interwebs is taking forever to load. But surely we will have it here in a moment. I have never researched this before, uh, researching my diagnosis from MD Anderson, by the way, um, and researching lymphocytic infiltrate of Jesner or Jesner-Kanoff syndrome, this uh, lymphocytoma cutis continues to come up. So I, I don't know, how do you differentiate? Apparently, it's very difficult to differentiate between this and uh, mycosis vandroides and um, other types of cutaneous um, lymphomas and uh, pseudolymphomas, both T-cell and B-cell. So we we do have T-cells and B-cells as part of our immune system in the skin. Um, So got an article here that it it gives a nice kind of intro on what lymphocytoma cutis is and the article's entitled uh, lymphocytoma cutis on the in ingual region a report of rare of a rare case of benign lymphoproliferative disorder Um, this is from on bras dermatol Maybe that means it's from Brazil. Not sure. Yes, here we go. Department of Medicine at the uh, Fasulade Integral Diferencial in uh, Terencia, Brazil. Department of Dermatology at Hospital Getulio Vargas, also in Terencia, Brazil. This article is from... It was received in 2016, accepted in 2017. So, let's just kind of look at the intro here. Lymphocytoma cutis, or benign reactive lymphoid hyperplasia, is an inflammatory skin lesion that mimics clinically and histologically malignant lymphoma. Most cases are idiopathic, interesting, but they also may be triggered by multiple factors such as insect bites, tattoos, injections, and herpes zoster. Um, (laughs) anyone have tattoos? Anyone? Anyone? So, uh, yeah, clinically, they're arithmetic, soft papules, plaques, or nodules, usually located on the upper limbs and face. They're on my face, and honestly, they're on my upper limbs. Well, they're on the the lower upper limbs near my wrists. Um, The diagnosis is mainly based on histopathology and immunohistochemistry. 
corticosteroid injections, cryosurgery, PUVA therapy, radiotherapy, and surgery can be therapeutic options in cases requiring immediate treatment. Yeah, so it's a benign reactive lymphoid hyperplasia or Spiegler-Fendt pseudolymphomas, as they're called, I guess. They're inflammatory lesions that mimic malignant lymphoma clinically and histologically. As we mentioned, they're a rare condition with higher incidence in Caucasian, young, aka before 40 years of age, females, ratio uh, 3 to 1. Uh, lymphocytoma cutis is classified according to its lymphoid population, dermal infiltration pattern, and associated clinical findings. A um, little bit of history here. In, in 1980, Berg and Braunfalco, these two guys, probably is two guys, maybe it was a girl, uh, proposed a classification based on the architecture of cutaneous infiltrate, dividing them in T-cell and B-cell models. The T-cell model is characterized by dense infiltrate of the, upper, of the upper dermis, mimicking mycosis fungoides. Interesting, right? It mimics mycosis fungoides. This group includes uh, actinic uh, reticuloid, lympho, uh, lymphomatoid contact dermatitis, and uh, lymphomatoid drug eruption. The B-cell model presents with a nodular infiltrate all through the dermis, as seen in malignant cutaneous B-cell lymphomas. This group includes lymphocytoma cutis, Jesner's lymphocytic infiltration, there we go, and some insect bite reactions. Whoa, there's a citation there. I'd I'd be curious to kind of look into that. I'll click on that after I kind of finish up here most cases are idiopathic but lesions may be triggered by multiple factors as we mentioned uh, insect bites vaccinations acupuncture piercings traumas tattoos injections herpes zoster scars hiv drugs contact with certain allergens purpuric lichenoid dermatitis lichen sclerosis at atropicus secondary syphilis inflammatory morphia Borrelia burgdorferi, aka the causative agent of Lyme disease, Leishmania donovani, or you know Leishmania that causes a uh, Leishmaniasis, or Molluscum contagiosum, that have that have in common the generation of more intense lymph- lymphocytic reaction in the skin. Uh, most frequently associated drugs are uh, fen- wow, y'all, I'm gonna butcher these, but hang hang with me. Uh, fentoin, angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors, and antihistamines. Whoa, antihistamines could cause this. Very interesting because one of my last episodes was on antihistamines and how it might help. And less frequently, brom. Bromocryptine and cefuroxime. <laughs> Anyways, the lesions are located mainly on the face and upper limbs. A lot of this we've already reviewed. 
But yeah, this is just a case report of a 16-year-old uh, female patient that they go into. She's a student born uh, and resident in uh, Terencia, Brazil. Uh, she sought medical assistance due to the persistent persistence of papules that started to coalesce into linear papulomatous tumor, into a linear papulomatous tumor on the right and in... in inguinal region over the past two years don't know what the inguinal region is but i'll look it up eventually according to the patient the lesion was asymptomatic non-bleeding and she could not identify any triggering factors or comorbidities the histopathology revealed a dense heterogeneous lymphomononuclear inflammatory infiltrate with lymphoid follicles with reactive features preserved and preserved epidermis interesting yeah um histological findings suggested lymphocytoma cutis however complementary immunohistochemistry was performed for better assessment um this then revealed a mixed population of b lymphocytes or cd20 and t lymphocytes or cd3 it goes to show some figures which honestly look pretty uh, pretty familiar to me and my lesions. Um, let's see, the conclusion of this uh, immunohistochemistry was, a, was of cutaneous lymphoid infiltrate with the following features. Um, one, heterogeneous lymphoid infiltrate with preserved epidermis occupying predominantly the su- superficial dermis in a nodular, nodular configuration, mixed inflammatory infiltrate with uh, frequent inflammatory cells, including plasma cells, macrophages, e- e- eosinophils, and um, multinucleated giant cells. Giant cells. Yeah, so um, then she officially got diagnosed with the lymphocytoma cutis. So the discussion, discussion, wow, one case study, okay. So lymphocytoma cutis can either be localized, the most common form, or disseminated. The reported case demonstrated the localized form with a unique presentation, papulomatous, linear, soft, non-scaly. Uh, with a diameter of about uh, 7 to 10 centimeters. Lymphocytoma cutis is traditionally subdivided into exclusively B cells and exclusively T cells. However, the majority of lesions also have histiocytes. In some cases, there are plasma cells and eosinophils, such as this one case that they go into. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but, um, you know, they're being thorough, I guess. Differential diagnosis can be made with angiolymphoid hyperplasia, sarcoid, uh, mycosis fungoides, polymorphous light eruption, and cutaneous lymphoma. This sounds very familiar to my review of lymphocytic infiltrate of Jessner. The differentiation between lymphocytoma cutis and cutaneous lymphoma can be done through clinical 
histological, and immunohistochemical analysis. The demonstration of monoclonal expression of light chains or the absence of detectable immunoglobin in tumor samples are typical of cutaneous B-cell lymphoma and represent the most criteria for its diagnosis. An accurate diagnosis of these lesions is necessary to guide treatment for proper prognosis. Interesting. Yeah, so this patient was treated with surgery. I guess all went well after that. Um, I mean, it, looking this stuff up, it, it keeps pulling up some things such as, um, let's see. Lymphocyto- lymphocytoma cutis Lyme disease. This is one of the top searches here. We've got something here from um, the NIH again. Borrelial lymphocytoma cutis, a diagnostic dilemma. This article is, looks like it's from India. Yeah, so um, this one is from the Department of Dermatology and Sexually Transmitted Disease um, at a hospital in New Delhi, India. And let us see here. Introduction. What was known? Number one, lymphocytoma cutis, or LC. I'll just call it LC from now on. How about that? Is one of the most common types of cutaneous B cell pseudolymphoma. Number two, Borrelial LC occurs commonly in areas endemic for Ix. I'm going to butcher this, but it's I X O D E S. Exodes ricinus tick in Europe and North America. So there is a particular type of tick. Um, that correlates with this Borrelial LC. This disease is rarely seen in India, which is interesting because this is from India. They go on to kind of overview it, what it is, what is LC, um, papulonodular lesions, including persistent arthropod bite reactions, I definitely had that. Uh, nodular scabies, sarcoidosis, borderline tuberculoid, Hansen's disease, granuloma annulara, and primary cutaneous B-cell lymphoma may be difficult in regions that are not considered endemic for Lyme disease. Borrelial LC occurs primarily in Europe and is the rarest of the dermatologic hallmarks of Lyme disease. So this is a rare hallmark of Lyme disease, Borrelial LC. Diagnosis is critical as it may be the only early manifestation of Lyme disease. There's another um, article that that links to, which would be interesting to look at, which I'm going to go ahead and click on because why not? PubMed. Let's go PubMed. 
All right. Molecular subtyping of Borrelia burgdorferi sensulato isolates from five patients with solitary lymphocytoma. <laughs> this is from 1997. Um, yeah, lymphocy- uh, solitary lymphocytoma is a rare cutaneous manifestation of Lyme borreliosis that has been reported almost exclusively from Europe. Y'all, I went to Europe right before I got this. Yeah, I I definitely got bit by some mosquitoes over there. I know that. Anyway, so all three, they go on to say, all three species of B. burgdorferi sensulato, known to be associated with human Lyme borreliosis, uh, which are the B. burgdorferi sensu stricto, B. garini, and B. uh, afzeli, butchering that they have been isolated in europe whereas only b burgdorferi sensu stricto has been found in north america well this is from uh, you know 1997 so i don't know if that's up to date but um this suggests that either b garini or b alpha z might be the ideologic agent of borreliol lymphocytoma to investigate this hypothesis, uh, they c- characterized five strains of B. burgdorferi sensulato isolated from lymphocytoma lesions of patients residing in Slovenia. The methods included large restriction fragment pattern analysis of restriction enzyme, um, some sort of like a DNA sequencing, uh, plasmid profiling, protein profiling, um, preliminaries, chain reaction, amplification, yada, yada, yada. So pretty fancy stuff. Um, this species is the predominant patient isolate in Slovenia and therefore may not represent a uh, preferential association with lymphocytoma. The results not only show that Borreliol lymphocytoma can be caused by B. alphazi, but also demonstrate an association with another genomic group of B. burgdorferi sensulato that is present in North America as well. Very interesting, right? Um, so I'll hop into the next article here. Um, thanks for hanging with me. It's kind of a longer episode, but might be on to something. So we've got this article, Lymphocytoma Cutis, Cases Linked with Lyme Disease, from 2000 in Pediatric um, Dermatology article. Uh, Lymphocytoma cutis, LCC, is a cutaneous B-cell pseudolymphoma, representing a wide variety of disorders that share clinical and histologic features. Although the cause in most cases is is unknown, another unknown, It can be induced by a variety of stimuli, including insect bites, Borrelia burgdorferi infection, trauma, vaccination, drug or antigen injections, and tattoos. When the bite is from a tick carrying Lyme disease, the result is sometimes called Borrelial lymphocytoma, or BL. We described two children whose lesions were probably best classified in this latter category. LCC is an endemic Uh, is endemic in regions such as Connecticut, New Jersey, or Central Europe. Um, 
and it should be evaluated as a possible sign of Lyme disease. That's wild, right? Um, so yeah, it's just some, some case reports here. And the first one is a seven-year-old boy uh, from a for- forested region near um, Bialystok, Poland, I guess. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, he was seen for cutaneous nodules in the, I guess, his scrotal skin, uh, the pubic skin, um, oh yeah, and his scrotum, I guess, what's peri, periumbical skin, and this was going on for, I guess, six months. They had slowly enlarged, um, and they were asymptomatic. There was no history of a tick bite on examination, three bluish red soft painless Wait, bluish red, soft, painless, well demarcated nodules were evident. Bluish red, huh? Interesting. Yada yada yada. Um, there was no significant uh, lymphadenopathy. Let's skip ahead here. Laboratory evaluations showed a normal, complete blood cell count and differential. Indirect immunofluorescence assay showed IgM antibodies against B. burgdorferi titered to uh, 1 to 256 by enzyme-linked immunoabsorbent assay. ELISA antibodies, antibodies, um, histologic examination of the skin biopsy specimens showed Epidermal hyperplasia overlying an impressive superficial and deep infiltrate of, of small mature lymphocytes with, with less numerous neutrophils and eosinophils. The formation of lymphoid follicles without distinct germinal centers was, evidence, um, was evident. Da, da, da. Wow, this really goes into talking about how it, lo- how it looks, but... I highlighted a few things. Um, patient number two, seven-year-old boy from forested region in Sweden, was seen with a red purpuric uh, scrotal nodules. A lot of scrotal nodules. Um, blood cell count was uh, and peripheral smear were normal. Eliza did not show IgM or IgG antibodies against B. burgdorferi. Penicillin. Uh, was given twice daily for two weeks, and the lesions resolved without trace. Interesting. So, with the discussion here, I skimmed through and I highlighted this part. Benign lymphocytic infiltration or Jessner-Kanoff disease, which usually appears as a arithmatous facial nodule or plaque may also be a form of borreal lymphocytoma as may the dispersed cutaneous form of LCC. Um, because LCC is much more frequent in those who probably acquired Lyme disease infection in Europe rather than North America, a distinct species or subspecies of the organism has been postulated. Wild, right? Um, yeah, BL seems to be more common in children than in adults. Yeah, playing outside. Wow. Yeah, and they go on to talk about how penicillin 
was uh, pretty successful in, in these treatments. So to wrap up this really long episode, I, I had thoughts on diagnoses. You know, if you're typical, you think you might have Lyme disease, or maybe you think you have Morgellons disease. Maybe your first step is, hey, I'm going to go get tested for Lyme disease. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to go to the doctor, And they're going to check for a rash called uh, erythromigrans, basically. And it's this kind of like bullseye rash, um, which honestly most people won't get um, from, at least I didn't get it. A lot of people won't get it. A lot of people do get it. Um, But I I have an issue with this. Um, There are a lot of studies I've been reading that these patients are presenting with cutaneous symptoms such as me and maybe you and the the issue with this is I, I, I do believe that and you know take this with a grain of salt this is my opinion from all the research and my experience but I think that Morgellons is an early manifestation of Lyme disease and unfortunately I do not think our PCR typical ELISA E-L-I-S-A tests that are approved by the FDA for testing if you have Lyme disease or not I do not think the ELISA test is sensitive enough to detect if you have Borrelia bacteria in your system in your bloodstream I think that you should get a skin scraping and you know consult with your doctor but if you're having skin issues try to get a skin scraping try to find a dermatologist who knows what Lyme disease is I'm in the south so it's it's pretty hard to find that but you can go and search doctors that are part of the um Lyme association i believe that Lyme association is called no, give me a second i think it's called like it starts with an i the Lyme association that doctors can be a part of ILADS. It's called ILADS. It's a nonprofit international multidisciplinary uh, medical society dedicated to diagnosing and treating Lyme disease. So, uh, ILADS, it stands for the International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society. Um, so, find a doctor or a dermatologist, hopefully, a dermatologist, who is a part of the ILADS. And try to get a skin scraping. Um, so reading through this this article, and it's um it's a it's a pretty big pretty big article here. It's sheesh. It is called 
Clinical Practice Guidelines by the Infectious Diseases Society of America, or IDSA, American Academy of Neurology, AAN, and the American College of Rheumatology, ACR. These are the 2020 guidelines for the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of Lyme disease. Um, People who collaborated on this, we've got... Goodness, we've got um, Duke University School of Medicine, um, Yale University, John Hopkins University School of Medicine. Uh, we've got some medicine, um, School of Medicine in Vancouver, uh, Massachusetts General Hospital, Washington University School of Medicine, uh, Connecticut's Children Medical Center. Uh, Yale School of Public Health, Um, Michigan, New York Medical College, Tufts Medical Center in Boston. I mean, just a ton of medical schools have collaborated on this. So it is the clinical practice guidelines for 2020. I'm imagining they're probably still meeting for 2021 but some things that I I got from this um, particularly pertaining to cutaneous manifestations is we've got we've got a chart here Um, disease manifestation erythra migrans is one of those and and they're recommending what what type of treatment to to administer Um, a lot of doxycycline um, and amoxicillin uh, some azithromycin and then uh, cefratioxine that's an IV apologies for the uh, mispronunciation but anyways, along these uh, manifestations, um, they list Borrelia lymphocytoma. And the route in which they recommend administering treatment is oral with doxycycline, amoxicillin, or uh, the cefiroxamine exotil for 14 days. And that's, um, that's being pretty modest. Um... Another section that I thought was important to note. So, um, we've got the most potentially useful direct detection method is real-time PCR for B. burgdorferi performed on a skin punch biopsy of at least 2 millimeters in diameter taken from the margin of the skin lesion. This method offers higher sensitivity compared with other direct detections or serologic testing methods, and turnaround time can be relatively short. However, the need for a skin biopsy is a limiting factor because many primary or urgent care settings may not offer this procedure, requiring referral to a dermatologist. Furthermore, real-time PCR for B. burgdorferi is not standardized and is typically unavailable, or, sorry, it is typically available only at large reference laboratories 
such as iGenix over in Palo Alto, California. In part because currently there are no FDA cleared molecular assays. Come on, FDA. Let's clear the Western blot. Let's clear the fish testing, the fluorescence testing. Like, we need better testing. The ELISA is not cutting it, in my opinion. Um, They go on to say shipping samples to reference laboratory increases turnaround time, often by several days. So a culture of skin biopsy samples or high-volume plasma samples may approach the sensitivity of skin PCR, but B. burgdorferi culture is rarely available, even at large referral centers. So, you know, to even test it and to compare it against, you know, something and indicate if if it's even coming up, but apparently it's very rare to even have B. burgdorferi in labs. In addition, cultures require long incubation periods, sometimes exceeding eight weeks. The, the use of uh, B. burgdorferi PCR directly on blood samples is substantially less sensitive compared with PCR performed on skin lesion samples. This is huge, and I recommend you go read it. It's on page 22 of this document. So I wanted to point that out. Um, Another one here, this is from page 21. Um, Early Lyme disease, or the arrhythmia migrans rash, the most common clinical manifestation of Lyme disease is an expanding arrhythmatis, often an... uh, annular skin lesion referred to as erythema migrans. Erythema migrans occurs at the site of inoculation of uh, uh, Borrelia burgdorferi into the skin by the bite of the infected um, IXODES tick. tick. (laughs) Patients with this rash may have... um, other constitutional symptoms, about like 65% in the U.S. and about 37% in Europe, such as fatigue, um, arthralgias, myalgias, headache, and uh, after uh, deposition into the skin, after the tick, you know, administers this into your skin, the spirochetal bacteria may disseminate into untreated patients um, to other anatomic sites leading to regional lymphadenopathy and, uh, and then additional arrhythmia migraine skin lesions uh, and then certain neurologic and cardiac manifestations and or arthritis there's your menu yeah lovely lovely choices there so we I really urge you guys to try to explore some skin biopsies try to find a a dermatologist who who's part of the eyelids or is willing to work with you on this um you know it doesn't hurt i've gotten multiple skin biopsies before it's just like a little hole punch basically it's a cone they take a cone of your skin out yeah you might have a scar but honey we already have scars from all this, right? Um, so anyways, just to wrap all that up, 
interesting stuff about the uh, lymphocytic infiltrate, Jessner-Kanoff syndrome, and the um, lymphocytoma cutis, and how it is very, very difficult to, you know, determine these things and, and to to tell the difference between that and mycosis fungoides and other B-cell lymphomas or pseudolymphomas. So it all comes down to they have to look at skin biopsies. So please, if anyone has gotten any skin biopsies, I would love to hear about that. You don't have to share your name. Um, I'm going to get some more skin biopsies and I'll, I'll share that with you guys. So anyways, thanks for listening. I hope all of you guys are well. And if, if you're a family member listening in, you're amazing. I know it's really difficult to be a loved one of someone with this. So just be patient and listen and don't call them crazy because they're not. Alrighty, y'all have a good week.